Okay, let's kick this off. Episode 81, Bricks and Mortar Podcast, buying, selling, renting, property. If you like property, got an interest in property, you'll probably enjoy the next 30 minutes. I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to talk market. We're going to talk property market. We're going to talk a little bit about the mortgage market. I'll tell you what's happening down at Macrahanish. We've got a place down in Macrahanish on the west coast in Kintyre. It's been rented out. So I'll give you a little bit of an update as far as that is concerned. And then the First Home Fund is coming back, folks. First Home Fund is going to be competing with the 95% mortgages that the government are going to be backing. Still no word from any of the big players as far as that is concerned, but I'll tell you a little bit about First Home Fund because that's back in the news today. So let's kick off with the market. So we're talking a market here, end of March, and still there is no bloody stock out there. I just, we need stock. We have to get stock because we're looking at a whole influx of first-time buyers coming into the market. You know, those with 5% who've been out of the market, didn't want to go down the first home fund route, they're going to be breaking into the market. So it means that it's going to be even more crowded than it's been. I mean, I can't quite believe it can get any more crowded. Normally, we're coming into April. Normally, that is the buying season. And normally, we've got a stack load of property coming onto the market. But it's just not there at the moment. I speak to estate agents on a daily basis and they're crying out for stock. Here's a couple of stories. North Road in the West End came on the market on Friday, spoke to my pals at the estate agent on Tuesday and they're telling me it's going to go to a closing date on Wednesday and they're expecting 11 offers. 11 offers? The place has only been on for two days? Crazy. What I've started to be telling my clients is that there is some benefit, I think, in going in with an offer right at the start of marketing. If you can be the first through the door as soon as the home report has hit, then go in with your what your offer would be at a closing date in the hope that you can try and get the seller to start talking to you. Obviously, leave some petrol in the tank. You don't want to go in so gung-ho that you've got nowhere to go when they reject your first offer, which any seller will do if they've got half a brain. So I told this one of my clients, so he went in, property in Broomhill Drive, home report 260, he went in at 270, gave himself five grand to play with, and it already been sold, but on the market a day, and the estate agents came back <clears throat> and said it'd gone for 280, or I think it went for 280. It's, she said that it had gone for well in excess of the 10%. I mean, I just don't know where it's going to stop, I have to say. Somebody said to me, and I hadn't really thought about this, but somebody had said to me, do you not think there's maybe a, a reason why there's no property on the market? And it might be down to the pandemic. Because if you can imagine if you're selling a property, do you want Tom, Dick and Harry traipsing through your property, spreading the virus? 
Now, to me, I don't really know anybody who has been greatly affected by the virus, okay, the pandemic. I don't know anybody who's had a, a bad reaction to it. I certainly don't know anybody who's passed away as a result of it. So I'm sort of, yes, it's out there, but because I don't know of anybody who has had, you know, serious complications, then I'm sort of, I, I think that until you actually come very close to it, then you are going to be not immune, but you're maybe going to be immune to the stories. And so you're not going to be negatively affected. But if you know somebody or have been adversely affected by it, then of course you're not going to want to have anybody traipsing through your property. Why would you want to do that? It doesn't make any sense. So this person I was speaking to seemed to be of the opinion that it may be that once we're all jagged up in the next couple of months, you may find that there's more property that's coming on to the market because people are more comfortable in allowing people into their properties. It's, it's just a thought and it may well be one of many things that is stopping people putting on the market or their property on the market. My take is very much that if you're going to be going up the property food chain, then you are going to probably end up paying more for your mortgage because your mortgage is going to be higher. And really, if your mortgage is going to be higher, then you want to make sure that your job is secure. That then filters into the economy side of things. And maybe people are saying, you know what, I just don't know what's going to be happening with the economy in the next six months to a year. So I'm just not, I'm going to play the cautious card and I'm not going to put my property on the market. The only thing that I know is that it is a spiky, spiky market. And if you don't need to be in this market, if you're a first time buyer or you're an investor looking at stuff, I would be saying, listen, just hold a watching brief at the moment and then come back when it's not so spiky because you're, you're going to end up paying a lot to get some stuff out there. There's no doubt about that. The mortgage market. So the mortgage market, there, there is money out there. There's no doubt about that. But there are some lenders out there who are just absolutely shocking to deal with at the moment. Barclay springs to mind and also Santander spring to mind. I spent 30 minutes holding on the phone for a client, got fed up, hung up. I then spent, came back and spent another 20 minutes on the phone, got fed up and hung up. And then... I waited another, this is all in one day, and I waited another 30 minutes to speak to somebody at Santander. And uh, at the end of my call, I said to him, listen, you're going to have to sort this out. You can't have brokers waiting an hour and a half to speak to somebody. I mean, we've got better things to be doing than hanging on the phone. And I know you can hang on the phone and you can do other stuff, but you're not concentrating 100% on the other stuff. So it's, it's absolutely infuriating because you just want to get the answer. Anyway, the reason why I mentioned Santander, this is a nuts situation. Wait to hear this. So client wants to get £307,000. We've got a decision in principle in place. That's absolutely fine. We do the application. 
And one thing after another means that the criteria with Santander, they come back to us and say, listen, you ain't getting 307, but we'll give you 260. So 260 on a two-year fixed rate is no use for us. And I'm just about to hang up and go back to the client and say, listen, we're struggling here. And then the woman at Santander says, have you tried it on a five-year? And so my immediate thought is, well, why would I try it on a five-year? Because the chances are that they're going to give me less money because the five-year fixed rate is going to be more expensive on a month-to-month -month basis than the two-year fixed rate, plus you're fixing for five years. So in my mind, there's more of a risk of the client defaulting because they're hooked into a, a, a higher rate and it's uh, hooked in fixed for five years. So she came back to me and said, no, no, we'll give you 307 on a five-year fix. I said, there's, that, there's no logic in that. What, what, tell me what the logic of that is. It just doesn't make any sense. And I've run that by the team and they can't come up with any logic other than it smacks of the lenders profiteering. So if, if anybody out there, a BDM of any bank, can come back to me and explain to me how a bank can refuse to lend 260 on a two-year fixed at a lower interest rate but be prepared to lend 307 on a five-year fix at a higher interest rate. And they claimed that they wouldn't offer the 260 because of affordability. So how can the affordability change from a two-year to a five-year and they give you an extra 40 grand? Bonkers. Absolutely bonkers. So listen, that's the market. Let's talk, before we go on to talk about Macrahanish, cladding's back in the news. Did you see that? So the Scottish government at long last have come up with a plan whereby rather than getting an individual EWS1 form for each individual property, then what they're going to allow, and this will have to be run by the lenders, obviously, but what will happen is that there will be one EWS, one form for the block. Makes perfect sense because the cladding's the cladding. And the, the likelihood is surely that the cladding outside your property is going to be exactly the same as the cladding above you and below you. So at long last, we've got some practical sense. Somebody's knocked their head heads together at the Scottish Government and they've come up with this. So that is going to be great. It means then that it's going to be cheaper with regards to selling these properties. There's still a long way to go with regards to getting some of the properties sorted out in respect that the cladding is a B2 and can't be sold. So a long way to go, but at least it appears that they are making some headway. So let's talk Macrahanish. So back in the day, gosh, this is now back. Let me see. This is 2021. So back in the day, I was doing the legals. I would have been at McDonald's there and it was just 2007. It must have been just sort of pre-crash. And we had this great idea of buying something down at Macrahanish. It's a gorgeous place overlooking the, the golf course at Macrahanish. Anyway, we paid, what did we pay for it? 250, 250 grand. Um, 
and there was a tortuous German guy I bought it from. There was a tortuous negotiation. I think at one stage he wanted to keep the garage and, and live in the garage while we lived in, in Macranish. It was absolutely bonkers. So we decided that that wasn't going to happen. Anyway, he wanted 250, so we gave him 250. And we've used that for years and years and years, gone down there for our, our holidays, um, two weeks, and then Easter and Christmas, etc. And then the girls, um, number one and number two, got old enough to realise that a two-week holiday in the west of Scotland was maybe not floating their boat, and they demanded that they go uh, abroad. And so, so f- for about three or four, maybe five years, we ended up doing the, the Spain thing or Europe or Greece or whatever. Anyway, it's come back onto the agenda. During that time, we've been renting the property out, and we have been doing the holiday let, which is... Uh, to tell you the truth, it's a it's an utter ball ache. I mean, if you if you can get a cleaner who is reliable, and I'm going to talk more about the cleaning. But if you can get a cleaner who is reliable, and who is prepared to do all the dog's body work, then it can work. But if you cannot get a cleaner, and the place is miles away, I mean, it's a three-hour drive, six-hour round trip to get down there and back. And the amount of times I've done that, I've done it several, several times, and it's just soul-destroying. It really is having to go down there um, at the crack of dawn, six o'clock, down there for nine o'clock, and then start cleaning, and then you're back up the road at five. amount of time I've done that. Anyway, so we decided that we probably weren't going to be using it on long term and there was all sorts of thoughts about selling the property and in the end we're going to keep it but we've put it on a long term lease and it's not I went down there at the weekend because the lease has come to an end and I said to to she who must be obeyed I said gosh I've not been down there for a year and she said a year you're havering you're havering you've not been down there for two years so as I was driving down on Saturday, I thought, gosh, two years, the place will be a state. And uh, unfortunately, well, the outside was a bit of a state um, because nobody had, had looked after it. Um, but the inside um, wasn't too bad. So the people that we've got looking after the property uh, on the long term basis, that the agents there had said that they'd got a cleaner in um, and Listen, as far as cleaning is concerned, I'll do a half-decent job as far as cleaning is concerned. But I tell you what, I know what's clean and what's not. And I don't know how much I've paid for this cleaner. I hope I've not paid too much. What a bloody nonsense. They didn't clean the oven, right? Didn't clean the oven. Cobwebs were everywhere. Hadn't cleaned the shower. Um, I don't know what they were doing. And I just think to myself... Cleaners are, if you can get a good cleaner, and, I, and I've known this from experience, that they just get, the ones that we've had anyway, and I, I listen, I'm not casting aspersions against all, all cleaners here, but the ones that I've had seem to be great for six months, and then they just get, I don't know, do they get tired, do they get lazy, do they just think, oh well, nobody's going to know. Anyway, the, the job that this cleaner did was you know poor skirtings weren't cleaned um it's almost as if they'd done a half-hearted effort and assumed that the landlord lived in glasgow and wasn't going to be coming to see the property 
So I went to uh, speak or emailed this, the agent and I said, listen, what, what, do you have a spec for this? Uh, do you, uh, you know, can you tell me what they were going to be doing? How much am I getting charged? And uh, as with all things Macrahanish, it's on Macrahanish time. I tell you what, um, tradesmen down there are, are a, a, a nightmare, according to my my neighbour uh, who's tried to get trades down there. And the, the problem is that once you get down there, it's so far away from anywhere else that you've got to stick with the trades. I suppose you could go up to Loch Gilpet and try to get something. Uh, but again, that's an hour's drive and you're going to end up adding that on to the cost. So I've got a project that's about to start down there. We're going to do some work on the property and we'll talk about that uh, over the coming months. But the, the, the thing that I'm going to be doing is we've got a garage there standalone garage and we want to convert that so it's got power it's got um, electricity and it's got running water so all the main stuff is in there and it's just a case of getting some plastering done getting a flooring down a bit of a kitchen so I'm trying to get somebody I've gone down there, measured everything up, and that's the project that I want to try and get sorted out in the next six months. So we'll update you over the weeks and the months as to how we're getting on with that. But that's my little story about Macrahanish. We paid 250 grand for that back in, gosh, 2007. And I don't think it's worth much more than that now. It's a strange old market. I think probably if I put that on the market now, given the madness that is there, we'd probably get more than that, I would think. Probably get more than that. But, you know, we're going to keep it down and we're probably what's going to end up happening is that we'll sell our place in Glasgow and we'll buy a smaller place in Glasgow and then we'll just move down there, lock, stock and barrel for the for the summer and then just come up to Glasgow. We've got a, a, a base in Glasgow. So that's Macrahanish. Let's talk First Home Fund. Just before I talk about First Home Fund, I've, I'm have i on Nick Ponty's show. So uh, Nick Ponty, friend of the show, we've had him on twice. I think we've had a, a couple of, of uh, guests on twice. He's one of them and the other one was Chris Wood. Anyway, Nick Ponty has started, and it's a great podcast, the Scottish Property Podcast, I think it's called. He does it with Stephen Clark. Uh, I think Stephen's based up in Aberdeen. Certainly does a lot of work in Aberdeen as far as um, the buying and selling is concerned. Nick is more based in Glasgow. He's got a letting agent uh, called Arc Property, I recall. Anyway, um, they're going great guns. I think they've got, he's telling me they get round about a thousand downloads I think which is fantastic you know for a small little um, podcast a thousand so he invited me on to run the rule over first home fund and also the new 95% backed government mortgages and uh, yeah I wittered away there for uh, 45 minutes or so and uh, yeah it'll be interesting to see how that comes out I'm guessing that like just like me they don't edit much stuff so that I think is coming out on Tuesday yeah I think he's going to put that out on Tuesday so I'm looking forward to seeing that I think they video it as well so we'll see how the ugly mug looks 
when looking at that. But listen, let's talk first home fun. I got in something this morning on the wires on um, from the Scottish government uh, on first home fund, and what they're saying is that. It's coming back, as everybody knows, 1st of April. Uh, what they're saying is that the First Home Fund will reopen at 9am on the 1st of April. And they're waiting for applications. And if you recall, First Home Fund is all about you need, you cannot apply for the First Home Fund unless you've actually got a successful offer on a property. So that's the first problem. The next problem is that there is a limited budget, okay? The budget is now limited due to the implications and of, I presume it must be, the, the pandemic. Um, and what they've said here, and it's in bold, the purpose of this communication is to make you aware that the First Home Fund will close to new applications when the 2021-2022 budget is exhausted. No notice will be provided in advance of closure and any applications received after the budget has been exhausted will not be processed. So the government are saying that they've committed 260 million pounds to the First Home Fund since 2019, uh, which is 110 million pounds more than they originally planned. So the Scottish Government financial transactions budget has been cut, they say, uh, by 66.5%. And that's due to the UK government spending review in late November. And there has been a cut of something like £412 million. And what this has meant is that there's not as much money swilling about. So the budget available for 2021 2022 is only £60 million and that will get eaten up very, very quickly. So just a word to the wise, be aware that it may be eaten up by the time you get, I mean, I don't know how long £60 million is going to last. I think that if you're in there on the 1st of April, then you're going to get it. But if you're trying to do this in, you know, July, August, especially the way the market's going, what I would say is that it may be it may be stretched out more because we've got this other 95% mortgage, the government-backed mortgage. As I say, Halifax are definitely going to do it because they've told me that. I've not heard any of the other lenders who are going to be coming out with something on the 95% side of things. So, yes, it's disappointing that there's only 60 million available, but the good news is that as long as the 95% backed mortgage uh, is, are going to be available from the UK government, then it does look as if long-term there's going to be some stability there for those who've only got a 5% deposit. 
interesting times that we're living in. It would be great if you could have a listen to Nick Ponty's show. Give him a like and uh, go and have a listen to it. I think him and Steve are doing great work. And anybody out there who is doing stuff for Scottish property, take my hat off to them. Well done, guys. Looking forward to to seeing how that show goes out. I'm going to circle back round next week. I'm going to try and speak to Steve McKenna, get him on. He's the wordsmith. And we're going to try and get the wordsmith agency on just to talk about NLP. So we'll get Steve on, I'm hoping, next week just for a half an hour chat. I've got to take number two up to hockey. So pleased that the hockey is back. She's going up there, um, going to be doing some... I think she'll be under 18, so they're allowed non-contact sports under 18 are allowed to go back. So that's why the hockey are going back. And she's busying herself with some exams coming up obviously the Scottish exams aren't going to be happening I think she's going to be doing some more prelims and it's bizarre to think that she will go to university not next year but the year after potentially never having sat an external exam because she was in the cohort that never did her standards and they've been told they're obviously not going to be doing their hires this year so she could potentially be going to university without having sat uh, an external exam nuts absolutely nuts where she's going to go to university don't know we're exploring america um, and a hockey scholarship so uh, again i'll keep you up to date with all of that it's all interesting times and number two she's living her best life or so she keeps telling us up in Aberdeen, uh, she phoned me to hear this. I'm sleeping away at half past 11 at night and here's the phone going for a FaceTime. <laughs> so she's on a bender <laughs> with the rest of her pals in her flat and I'm getting passed around <laughs> like some muppet <laughs> to speak to all her friends at half past 11. Needless to say, I wasn't very happy. Right, I'm going to sign off. I'll catch you later. Remember, pick up the phone, call Johnny, start packing. <laughs>